1: All right. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zeggers. Today, we're going to talk about the Nord Stream pipeline. This is potentially one of the craziest stories in American history, and that is according to Tucker Carlson. Okay, so I trust Tucker. You can believe him or not. But if this story is true. If the story about the U.S. destroying the Nord Stream pipeline and then blaming it on Russia is true and it's looking pretty obvious. It is one of the craziest stories you will ever hear and one of the most dangerous and one of the most concerning, because if they're capable of pulling off propaganda on something like this, then what else are they pulling this tactic with in our country and in international politics? OK, either way, before we get into the actual topics and I show you some really interesting clips, I did want to say once again I picked up my phone right before I hit the record button, and what do you know? I just saw breaking news that the Army's first openly transgender officer was indicted on Thursday on charges of trying to provide American soldiers medical information. Get this to the Russian government. A federal grand jury in Baltimore indicted Jamie Lee Henry and his wife, Anna on charges of conspiracy and wrongful disclosure of individual identifiable health information. According to prosecutors, the couple met last month with an undercover FBI agent posing as a Russian diplomat and offered medical information from Fort Bragg, the home of the military's elite Delta Force I can't. Okay, so this is literally just as I opened my phone to record. So of course I have to share that with you. This is all I know. I was reading a post from Common Ground Studios. If you guys don't follow them, it's a good page. But here's what I know just looking at this. I will be very clear. If you have internal problems in your soul, in your mind, I don't think you are capable of carrying out proper values in the workplace. So I personally, if someone's very troubled, and that can include people who can't even identify with the gender they were born with and biologically are. If you have internal issues, if you cheat on your wife, and I know, if you have a mistress, and I know, if you are a bad person in private and I know about it, I'm not going to do business with you. I don't feel comfortable doing so because I feel like it's an endorsement. It's like giving your your money when you're buying from a company to a company that doesn't like you or is very woke and will put your dollars into supporting something like an abortion fund or whatever it may be it just doesn't sit right with me to support those companies and then it really doesn't sit right with me to do business with people where i i can't trust their moral code i can't trust their values and i think they have some internal problems they need to fix i mean what's that i think it's by mother teresa she said if you want to change the world go home and love your family you have to make sure you're making the best effort in your personal life and on the inside of your body, your soul, before you go out and try and have a global impact or a national impact, especially if you're going to serve your nation. So that could be a whole million episodes on this podcast of how I think there's a lot of problems with that and people are just rotten on the inside these days. But to be honest, maybe it's you know, un-PC for me to say this, but I don't think that it's crazy to say there's a correlation here between mental instability and also this betraying of your country absolute traitor okay so i shared that to my instagram story just now and i put it with the song simple man by charlie daniels because it's just what you gotta do that being said let's get on into the episode Okay. What do you know? It wouldn't be a podcast episode with Morgan Zeggers if I didn't talk about MyPillow. I love MyPillow slippers. I have MyPillow things all over my bed. It's fantastic. It's cozy. I'm in upstate New York and I miss my MyPillow bed. Okay. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. Use code Morgan for a big discount. You all have helped MyPillow build into the amazing company that it is today. And now Mike Lindell inventor and CEO wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. So, if you guys want to match me with the Percale and the Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you can get it for 29.98. It's a ton of different colors and sizes and stuff, but they're on sale for as low as twenty nine ninety eight with code MORGAN. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable. They have a cool, crisp feel. Like I said, they're great down in Texas especially. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There is a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374 and use promo code MORGAN or go to mypillow.com. Call Lick on the radio listener square and use promo code Morgan. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Okay, so you guys, today it's kind of like a show and tell episode approach. That's what we're going with. And that's because I don't usually like to take large clips of somebody else's show, right, and then play it on my show because that's kind of lame. I mean, you could just watch the original show. But this was something where when I watched the full episode of Tucker Carlson covering the Nord Stream pipeline and the explosions that happened and then his connections to what our politicians had said, I truly looked at it and I said, you know what? I need the people in my life. I need the people that listen to my show. I need you to watch this, to hear this, to understand this whole story. And so he had a whole 10 minute segment. I went through it and I clipped up segments of the show so that you could really get a full glimpse of how crazy the story is, how ridiculous it is, how dangerous it is, and how concerning it is. I mean, like think of every bad word that you can think of. That's This is that. This is that to me and to many other people that are aware of these issues. So I want you to be aware of it too. We're going to talk about six different videos and talk about them, watch it, talk about it, listen to it, I guess I should say. What do you guys think though? I I think I'm going to do a video version of the podcast soon. Right now I just do audio because I'm on the road a lot, but hey, I could get a little camera and say hello to you? Would you watch it if it was on YouTube? Let me know. Send me a message. Okay. So the first thing that we're going to see is kind of a breakdown of Tucker explaining the Nord Stream pipeline and how it's kind of weird because the Nord Stream pipeline just exploded and there's a big climate issue here. But once you start to learn more about it and who could probably be the culprit behind it, it's kind of like, wait, something's not adding up. Here's video one.
0: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, I hate to start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time, is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change, What just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen?
1: All right. So that's the first thing. We have a major climate catastrophe happening right now. And that's not me being sarcastic. I care about the environment, too. There's a few things that I think of when I see all the left talking about climate change and uh, championing this issue. First of all, does anybody else out there live in the country? And get a little frustrated when we see these city people like AOC talk as if she is the only kind of person, her and the city liberals, are the only kind of people that care about the environment. When in reality, the conservative, Republican, or just country bumpkin in the middle kind of people that love freedom and love America and love being out in nature and the outdoors— we also care about the environment. We are very caring about our practices and making sure that we're good stewards of the environment. But for some reason, these city people just completely hijack the entire issue and then make it seem like we don't care at all. I mean, if you see the attacks they put out, especially on ranchers and beef cattle, it's insane what they are doing. And so it it all goes back to that issue of it. they're trying to control the food supply. They're trying to get you to not be independent, to try and break up the food supply markets, to make sure that you aren't eating meat. They're trying to get you to eat the grasshoppers. That's a whole different topic. And I think that plays into why they're trying to blame ranchers and the cattle farms and all this stuff. But I, I just have to say, it's kind of crazy to me to see that they they try and frame us as these anti-environment people, but we're the ones out there living in nature and using Uh, the environment around us every single day, whether it's in our work or in our hobbies or just in our lifestyle because we live off the land. So that's just crazy to me from the beginning. The next thing is that when you look at leftists throughout history, it's a classic tactic to scare people into giving up more power in exchange for a false sense of safety and security. And so there's a story that I love to look back at. It's disturbing. But uh, back in like 1891, there was a famine in Russia. Before it turned into a communist USSR, right? There's a famine in Russia. Vladimir Lenin was a young strapping lad and he was actually kind of like Bernie Sanders. And I would talk about this in my speeches back in like 2019 and 2020 about the tactics of the left. So this is a story that I used to tell college students when I would go around the country. Now I just I don't like traveling too much. You guys, I can't stand it. So what I mean by that is just in the sense that uh Bernie Sanders today is like a socialist with three houses he's a millionaire he's not exactly a working class man he's been in public office his entire life and now he's a millionaire how does that happen but he champions the talking points and the politics of the working class or at least he claims he does Vladimir Lenin was kind of like that too in the sense that he was from a very well to do family he wasn't a working class person. He had a lot of assets, a lot of uh, finances that were setting him apart from the working class. And he was from a very well-to-do family with lots of stuff. So when this famine hit, Vladimir Lenin could have helped out. Vladimir Lenin could have been a part of the change to help people from uh, stopping people from starving. There was millions that died during this famine. And he is documented, I found this one day and I was shocked by it. He's documented talking about this time in his younger life And how he saw people dying around him, they were dying in his community, he had the money and the ways to help other people, and he decided not to. And he said, I didn't help those people because I knew that my desire to bring communism to this country, these ideas, they would not be accepted by the Russians at that time. And so we needed the Russians to get into such a sense of uh, fear, into such a sense of insecurity that they would be willing to embrace more radical ideas that they usually would never consider if they were in the right state of mind. Are you guys tracking what I mean by that? Of They wanted to scare people so much and get people into such a fragile state, desiring just surviving, getting by day to day, able to feed themselves, that they said, you know, if we get them to that state, they might be willing to embrace our radical communist plans. And what do you know, that actually ended up working out in a way. So... When we even know that somebody like Vladimir Lenin admitted this and now we see that common tactic throughout history, it's no surprise that they used COVID to fearmonger and then grab power. I wrote an, I wrote an article. I think it's in the Washington Examiner. I wrote an article in March or maybe the first week of April 2020. And I remember sitting here with my mom because I went home to my parents' house. My dad got deployed for COVID relief. Um, And he went out to Utah to do remember all those field hospitals like the Seattle Field Hospital and stuff. My dad got sent out west to backfill for that. Um, And then it was like a million dollars a day and nobody was even in the hospital. But I digress. My mom was alone on the property. So I went back home to stay with my mom during this time. Nobody knew how long this was going to be or whatever. So me and my mom would just hang out. And I said, Mom, I think I need to write an article about this concept that while we're all scared right now, I mean, guys, this was in the 15 days to slow the spread that extended into the 30 days to slow the spread. Remember that? So this is in 30 days to slow the spread phase. And I said, Mom, maybe I should write an article about the topics I talk about with students of during a time of crisis, the left will power grab. And I think that that could potentially happen with COVID. What do you know? I'm a genius. Just kidding. It was a very basic concept. Most people caught on to it. But I wrote that and I released it in like early April 2020, and it still rings true today. But what I used to talk about before all the COVID stuff happened, when I was giving speeches to college students, was how they were doing it with climate change. So they're scaring us so much that we might be willing to embrace crazy ideas. They tell us that we're literally going to die in 10 years. And this talking point has been around for how long now? Since 2017, when AOC started campaigning? Or I don't know what year, but guys, it's almost at the 10 year mark and we haven't died yet. So thank thank the good Lord above. But they literally said the world is going to end in 10 years. And so you must support the Green New Deal. But what do you know? We looked into the Green New Deal and we found out that AOC's chief of staff admitted in an interview, whether it was on purpose or on accident, whether he was gloating or it was a slip of the tongue. He literally said, well, yeah, the Green New Deal was written as an economic transformation for America. What does he mean by that, you guys? From capitalism to socialism, because they're democratic socialists. He said it was written as an economic transformation for the country, but then we made it about climate change as well. So what a way for the identifying socialists of America. They self-identify as socialists. They write an economic transformation plan for the country and then say the world's going to end in 10 years unless you support this plan. We must combine the issues of the environment, of energy, and of our regular economy, or else the world will end in 10 years. AOC would get on stage and cry, say that she's nervous to bring children into the world because they're going to die during the climate catastrophe, etc. So this has been going on for a long time. Now, uh, with that understanding that the left has used this this. Crisis mentality, the language surrounding a climate crisis for quite some time. They want to end things like the ranching industry in America when, uh, how dare you, okay? The New York Times wrote a thing called, Here's the Enemy of the Planet or the Environment or whatever it was called. And it was literally calling the ranchers of America enemies of the environment. It's just sickening. So you have these people that now I'm going to connect to you and Tucker's going to connect for you in the videos. It turns out, They were probably behind the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipelines. I kid you not. So let's watch the next video. Okay, just got a button here, guys, and remind you that Hurricane Fiona has pummeled the Caribbean with devastating winds, catastrophic flooding, and widespread power outages. Food for the Poor has been serving the poorest nations in that part of the world for more than 40 years, and they are responding again now during this time of crisis. Hurricane relief kits containing food, water, hygiene kits, medical supplies, and other critically needed items are already being distributed throughout Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Haiti. You can support this effort by giving your best gift now. Just text Zegers to 91999 and we'll send you a link to give. Families lost everything and they need your help. Anything you can do will help Food for the Poor bring aid to these families just text my last name zegers zegers to 91999 and we'll send a link so you can give as one of the largest faith-based international relief agencies in the country food for the poor is able to respond quickly and efficiently to disasters like this but they can't do it without our generous support please give what you can now text my last name zegers zegers to 91999 thanks guys so if you're worried about climate change
0: What just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the prime minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet. But we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, so that's the next step of this. At first, we just knew that it was destroyed. Was it a natural occurrence? Potentially, could have been. But? What do you know? It became official that explosives went off near the pipelines, and it's official that somebody basically blew them up. So who did it? That's what we're going to talk about next. But do do you guys see how it's interesting? It wasn't very hidden. So that's another aspect of it. it, This was a very blatant thing that they could easily prove. There were multiple explosions right in the area, and. It certainly was quick to be able to find out that it was sabotage. It's now labeled as sabotage, but the the mainstream media is blaming one person, whereas if you look at the, the posts and the previous statements from other politicians, you're going to see how something's not adding up here. Let's see what Tucker says next.
0: So the question is who did it? And of course, the prime suspect is obvious. It would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. That'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the UN, Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil. They tell us that he is evil. But is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you were Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth and, most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right. But really
1: only half right. Okay. So what did we just learn there? The left is blaming Putin. Once again, evil Russia. But even the secretary of state, Blinken, is saying this wouldn't advantage anybody. It wouldn't advantage Russia. So why would Russia do it? And as Tucker explained, it would really, really be bad for Russia to actually decide to do this. If Putin really did this to himself, that's like a a suicidal kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's not a good idea to do it. This would be considered a bad war tactic. This would be considered a bad political decision, a bad decision for your role in international politics and for your country's stability. None of it is adding up. And so that's what we'll talk about next is what the heck happened then. Also, let me butt in quick. The way that we have made Russia into such an enemy has been completely unnecessary and completely dangerous. That's something that often isn't discussed. But in 2016, this has been exposed by now, by the way. In 2016, when Hillary Clinton lost the election, her and her campaign staff sat together on election night and said, what are we going to do? And what do you know? They threw out the idea of what if we blamed the Russians? On top of that, you have all of the Russiagate mess that came before the 2016 election day actually happened. And do you know how much of that was manufactured? All of it. All of it was manufactured. Hillary Clinton's campaign, the DNC, money was spent by the American Democrats' campaign arms to create, manufacture a fake situation between Russia and Trump. That has now been completely proven, that it was literally the Democrats behind it. But they will still act like Russia, Putin, Trump— as if that's all a huge, serious and legitimate narrative in the country. So something that's often overlooked is, wait, how come we aren't, we aren't talking about how dangerous it was for our presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, to create such divisiveness and such tension between a serious threat in worldwide politics, Vladimir Putin and Russia? That's really, really bad if you think about it. Of how much unnecessary tension was just created with a country that, you know, we we didn't have to worry about too much, you know? She almost created that conflict. I don't trust these people at all anymore, but it's like, how come we can't criticize her for that? How come that's just often overlooked because we're so caught up in the red versus blue crap? I think it's really disgusting. As an American, as a representative of America, as a former first lady, as a former senator, as a former governor's wife, even. It seems like traitorish behavior. I don't know. But next video
0: that even our famously dim secretary of state tony blinken seemed to acknowledge it sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today is quote clearly in no one's interest right but really only half right it is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help vladimir putin he would not do that why would he but that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it they would consider it and we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public in early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But how will you how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will. uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Notice how he phrased that. He's the president. Doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world.
1: Okie dokie. So now we have a new element to this. Turns out Biden threatened to destroy the Nord Stream pipelines just a little bit ago before this even happened. So it's not that crazy to say, did America do it? Because guess what? The president of the United States said he would do it. And if you notice, if you notice, if you want to understand how crazy the story is, the journalist in front of Biden literally stumbled over her words as she's trying to get him to clarify his statement of, wait, 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 wait. Did you do you mean you'll just get rid of it? Also, sorry if you guys can hear my dogs in the background. They're making all these noises. But The journalist can barely get her words together to say, sir, did you just say that? How are you going to how are you going to stop it? Because what he's saying there is, you know, they have many ways of destroying it without like actually ripping it apart. They're going to what plant a bomb or whatever the heck they did. Who knows? But his answer was so abrupt. And what I love next is Tucker's going to talk about how nobody took him seriously because it was that crazy. But what do you know? Now it's destroyed.
0: And yet those watching, very much including us didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That'd be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism, even for Toria Nuland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January.
1: With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward.
0: One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream. Now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer and Applebaum of The Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden. that He's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately. And here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe.
1: OK, OK, isn't this getting crazy now? I wish I could see your face as you're listening to this. Because when I first watched this whole breakdown, I was shocked, and I get—I'm a, a little desensitized to it now because I've seen this clip like five times as I've been creating this episode, <laughs> as I've been preparing and studying for it. But when I first watched it, I had just thought, "Geez, this this destruction of the pipelines is really sad, and it's really unfortunate to see, and it's it's really scary too." Because as we talk about, you know, what World War Three would look like, and what wars between the the Western nations or between the East and the West would look like nowadays? It's going to be things like fighting with our industries, like fighting with utilities, like doing things like blowing up uh, resources, natural resources, energy resources, all of these important things that keep a society going. And that's really how you can weaken an enemy, right? And uh, hacking into the grid, for example, all this different stuff, and to see it actually play out, it was kind of freaky. Now, it's one thing if it's, it's Russia doing it for a war reason, right? Like they're in war. This is their, their tactic. That's scary enough, right? But now picture it as this story breaks. We find out it's sabotage. The mainstream media releases an entire week-long propaganda reel telling us that Russia just did it. And it turns out, with just a little bit of digging, To break this propaganda story up and expose the truth, all we had to do was look and find, oh, wait, a handful of months ago, the president of the United States said he would do this, that he would blow it up himself. And then a representative of the Biden administration, you heard that woman, she said it will end. And then what do you know? Other people in the EU. And then what do you know? After it happens, turns out a Biden administration ally in international politics said, thank you, America. So to add to the layer of, wow, they were really willing to do something like this. And we don't know if it's official yet. We don't know if it's real or not. But I mean, come on. To bring it to the next level of it wasn't just Russia. It was our own leadership. And then they tried to put an entire propaganda spin in the news to indoctrinate us into thinking that it was the enemy. Oh, I mean, what else could they pull off? You know what I mean? It's uh, Open your eyes a little bit and think, wow, what else are they capable of doing, like hurting citizens and then blaming it on our opponents to further a certain narrative and build hate in our nation for enemies? It reminds me very much of 1984, and I, I truly don't mean that as, oh, it's Orwellian, but literally this happened in eight uh, 1984 in the book. They drum up these false stories, or they they cause problems and then blame the enemy and it's all to try and rally the people together to distract them mm-hmm. with a hatred of others, the outsiders, the people in other countries, or whatever it is, and prevent them from realizing that they are actually being oppressed and controlled by their own government that it's all a lie it's all a scam so i'm concerned I mean what else in the past have they done then to hurt us or to hurt other things worldwide, and then they blame on enemies, and then we go. And we we spend millions, billions of dollars on wars. Another thing of this, too, is like, wh- what are they capable of next? If this is their kind of war that we are dealing with now for the future, destroying things, what is it going to lead to next? So I'm a big fan of of complete independence. I want that for me and my family on my property. But this is a good reminder that politicians don't care about you. They don't care about actually making sure that you have fuel and energy and food and all of the things that you need to get by. They don't care about keeping those things going, as long as they're taken care of, of course, and they for sure are. They'll destroy it for entire nations, entire communities, entire international supplies, supply chains. They'll destroy it, and they don't care at all because they're getting a political win. This is a good reminder, too, of, remember in the last few episodes, we've talked about the prince, uh, Machiavelli, how he had that common phrase of... The end justifies the means. Now, that had been completely corrupted as a term and then used by communists, especially throughout the 20th and 21st centuries. We've seen them use the term the end justifies the means where they believe, hey, any suffering, any, any struggle that we cause, things like uh, famines, things like the gulags, things like reeducation camps and forced labor and killing political opponents, communists, communist dictators say, "Hey." The goal that we're trying to achieve of a communist utopia is worth killing political opponents because it helps us get there. The end, the goal that we're trying to achieve is justified. It's worth it for us to do a little, a few dirty things, right, in exchange for achieving our amazing end. The end justifies the means. And so I think that's what's happening here is they're willing to do some dirty stuff. These climate change crisis freak out kind of people that have climate change as a fake religion. All over the mainstream media, they're now all of a sudden willing to blow something up like this, expose the environment, the entire Baltic Sea to all of this disaster, all the animals affected, the natural environment that's going to be affected, the families, the communities, the countries that will be affected by this lack of resources. It all justifies the political goals, the political gains of these politicians that think that we are pawns. Let's continue.
0: Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car. Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy. And we have said this many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy energy independence by moving to clean energy uh, economy Oh moving to clean energy say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine The people lecturing you about your SUV may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy. These people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout.
1: So as you guys can see, this story is clearly not just as simple as, well, it was blown up, it was sabotaged, and it was Putin. Because the evidence is damning. Damning. So, I'll hopefully have some updates for you. This is something we've got to keep our eye on. It's not something we talk about one day and then it's like, well, on to the next topic. That's what I hate about the news cycle, by the way. It's crazy how... The news cycle moves when you work in politics. I can personally tell you this. It's like last week, I think, AOC said that capitalism is uh, making it impossible to have children. The one thing I'll say about this is it's not capitalism's fault that it's so expensive to live in America these days. It's liberal, woke economic policies that are destroying the economy. Capitalism is simply humans having individual economic and financial power, not just the government. Okay, we can operate in the economy, we can have our own businesses, we can participate in the market. We have independence in that way. And the government is supposed to exist under capitalism to make sure people aren't harmed, whether it's the consumer or the producer, the supplier, all the different things, all the different people that are involved in a private or in a free market economy. The government is really just supposed to stop bad people from doing bad things and protect your rights. That's the concept, right? Socialism is when you give government the economic and financial control of the people. And so it's very, very dangerous. I don't know, I don't want to get in a whole socialism lesson, but it's not fair for leftists to look at Nordic Europe and say, ah, well, that's the kind of socialism we want, because you guys, what they have in Nordic Europe is a a capitalist economy in most of those countries, and then very large social social programs and taxes. That's a, a social democracy. It's still private economies. You still have private business, private industry. They just have huge unsustainable taxes and huge unsustainable programs. Look at our programs in America. Those alone are unsustainable. Now think of them in a much larger sense in those small countries where they're running out of money very quickly. And you'll see that, hey, even a social democracy is not really sustainable. So, It's not fair for socialists in America to lie and say that their socialist plans for the country are going to make us into Nordic Europe. And it's not even nice to look at Nordic Europe and say, hey, we want to achieve that here because it's not very nice over there either. But I digress. The whole point is that it's not fair as well for AOC to look at the state of the economy and say, this is capitalism's fault. No, it's bad policy leading to a lifestyle here that's completely unaffordable and now young people are struggling to move on to that next phase of life to get a home to settle down to get married to have children so that story happened last week if i did a selfie video on it right now and posted it to facebook it'd probably die off quickly because that story's already passed and so it's really unfortunate but i hope that gives you an angle of like when you work in politics when you're going on to topics It's literally day by day, the topic is changing, and it's easy for big, important things, not necessarily AOC saying this thing about kids and capitalism, but big stories like this, even they get dropped off. I mean, look how fast Afghanistan, the debacle that happened there, the tragedy that happened there just a year ago, that was out of our minds Within a few weeks and it kept going because it kept getting worse. Right. And it was kind of hard for the government to maintain, but they put out distraction propaganda. I believe this isn't proven, but I believe that's why they announced right after Afghanistan. They announced the 100 million people that would be uh, subjected to the vaccine mandate in the private economy. They said any any employers with over 100 employees, you have to get your employees vaccinated or else they can't go to work anymore. So that, I believe, was distraction propaganda because Afghanistan was one of the harder topics to get out of the news cycle, and they were getting negatively affected by the amount of coverage it was getting. In general, though, it's disgusting how these serious topics like the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines and the tragedy in Afghanistan, those things are out of our minds in in an insanely quick amount of time. It's not sustainable for us to allow these huge stories week after week to happen and then to be forgotten. That's how these politicians get away with so much crap. You tracking me? Now, the last thing that I want to share with you guys is the uh, frustration that I had with Lizzo playing the James Madison flute. And then I'll let you go. I want to talk about this because there's an important angle here. I cannot believe that we just saw Lizzo naked with a flute playing James Madison's 200-year-old flute, crystal flute, from 1818 or whatever it was, the early 1800s. Here's the video. I'm going to play it for you quick, and then we're going to talk about it.
0: It's crystal. It's like playing out of a a wine glass, (laughs) bitch.
1: So I just wanted to comment on one thing, because, yes, I could rant about how it's, it's so disrespectful for her to be pretty much naked on stage playing one of our founding fathers flutes. But the thing that really gets me is that there's no decency. There's no common sense here to say, you know what, maybe we should be more respectful of the situation and have Lizzo wear a different outfit. I don't care if the pop singer that's one of the most popular pop singers in the country, in the world, plays a historic flute. That's kind of cool. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting to see the connections with history. But the thing is, like, why did she have to be pretty much naked in a see-through leotard that was just crystals and mesh? Why did she have to twerk with it and shake her butt as she's playing the flute? It's that kind of stuff where it's like, what happened to common decency in our nation? Now, some people are saying, well, here's a video of her earlier in the day where she's fully dressed and she's visiting the museum or wherever the flute was held, and she plays a whole beautiful song. She's a professional flute player, Morgan. You should give her more credit. She's just using a historic flute as a professional flute player. Okay then if she's a professional flute player, you'd think she'd have greater respect for the fact that she is using a founding father, James Madison's 200-year-old crystal flute. Maybe she would respect it even more, right? You would think. So I don't like that excuse at all. I don't think it's okay to let people who are role models with millions of followers be completely naked or near naked while they are desecrating an important, important part of our nation's history. And no, I'm not saying the flute is an important part of, the, of our nation's history, but there's something to be said about respecting our history, respecting our heritage, respecting the people that came before us. And this ain't it. Okay? That's my thoughts on that. Thank you.